0: Welcome to the Dwell Church Sermon Archive. Dwell is a family defined by the love of God and committed to giving it away. Here is this week's message. Uh, today we are continuing through Matthew, and uh, here's a really simple version of the sermon for us today, okay? Uh, Jesus walked on water, Peter saw him, he had faith for a moment, then he doubted, and then Jesus rescued him. Uh, you should have faith, too. So, there it is. Does everyone feel better? Like, are we ready to move on? Like, it's simple enough. You get it right. Band, if you guys want to come back up here and uh, go ahead and get started, we'll be... No, I'm getting some giggles. Not really happening. Man, I thought you guys liked Jesus and the Bible. But okay. Uh, I guess we're going to have to try and do this a different way, then. Uh, This is actually a tricky one because uh, it's difficult to really sink your teeth into this truth, right? Right? Like, I just, I didn't surprise you by what I just said. Like, you understand the point of this passage. It's pretty simple. It's easy for you to wrap your minds around, but it seems like it's really hard to live, right? Like, it's like easy to understand, but tricky to actually like put into practice, maybe. It's a little bit like driving stick. Uh, You know, like someone could really tell you how to drive a stick shift, uh, and yet, You would get in a car and have absolutely no idea how to do it right like i'm sure all of you have gone through this process if you've ever tried to learn stick you know you really need that experience of like bouncing back and forth a few times trying not to roll into a person behind you all while your dad is yelling at you from the passenger seat and stomping furiously on the you know floorboard in front of him like otherwise i don't know how else you learn that you know uh, does everybody know how to drive stick? Okay, maybe raise your hand if you can drive stick or we, go- okay, not a lot then. Okay, for the rest of you guys, uh, it's a little bit like picking an avocado, right? You've got to try it like 30 times before you get it right. I don't think anyone has ever chosen the right avocado on their first time. Does anybody not drive stick or eat avocados? because I got nothing for you. I'm sorry. I wish I had like 500 examples of this, but that's as far as I could get, you know. I thought about thumping a watermelon, but I still don't know how to do that, so uh, we're not going to go there. But there are weird things in life that you really just can't understand until you like fully engage with them. And so what we're going to do today is kind of an immersive exercise. Immersive? yeah nobody got it earlier anyway it's a joke because peter was sinking in water come on people that's a good one anyway uh we're gonna do an immersive exercise you might have noticed there's an extra sheet of paper there on your uh, seat if you didn't notice then it is definitely under you right now (coughs) there's also a pen there so hopefully you noticed that as well um and here's what we're gonna do this is not uh, so that i can like check your homework later no one's ever gonna see this right Uh, This is not because, you know, this is some sort of, like, trick where I'm like, man, you guys aren't paying attention, I'm going to give you something to do. Uh, This is actually something that I hope will be useful and beneficial for your lives. Now, I know, I fully realize some of you guys are too cool for school and you're like, man, I'm not doing any homework on a Sunday. Uh, That's fine, but you should recognize two things. First off, I can see you, okay? Okay. So if there is any guilt that you can have from your pastor, I know, all right? I don't know why you guys think in this giant room I can't see what's happening. I know it all. But also you shouldn't feel guilty for me, so uh, do whatever you want. The second thing is I really and truly believe uh, that this is actually an exercise that we can go through that's going to be good for us. This is going to be a little bit of an investment of time and energy on your part that's actually hopefully going to be transformative in your lives and i'm hopeful that the holy spirit can use this to change us to shape us to help us go through hard things in life better the next time that they come around so if you really 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 want to know and love jesus more if you want to drink deeply of this passage i'm inviting you to grab a pen and jump in our text today comes to us in five distinct movements and so what we're going to do is just walk through those movements the first of which is storm. <clears throat> Has anyone ever been in the storm on the Sea of Galilee? Okay, me neither. <clears throat> Apparently they could come up out of nowhere. You'd just be sailing across this like massive body of water and a storm would show up out of nowhere. It would be very shocking to the disciples. I mean, this boat was basically like a 27-foot canoe, uh, probably a little bit wider, but still not very huge. Uh, And it says uh, that this was like sort of in the middle of the night. Uh, This watch would have been from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., so you can imagine how terrified you would have been if you were just bobbing out there, and then all of a sudden this storm shows up, and you feel like you could capsize at any moment. Now, you may not have actually felt this, but if you've been in the Colorado mountains uh, around this time of year, and sort of early summer, man, storms can come up out of nowhere. One moment, you're like, oh, this is nice. What a good day for a hike. And the next moment, you're like, we're all going to die. What's going to happen, right? Now, <clears throat> I'm going to confess to you something, and I hope you don't think of me less uh, as a person and a pastor. Maybe some of you can't do that anymore, so I'm in the sweet spot right there, okay? Uh, this week, <clears throat> I was reading a book on the Old Testament, uh, on Proverbs, like their chapter on Proverbs. Uh, my eyes started to get heavy, okay? I had just done a, a 4.30 a.m. Uh, drive to the airport that day, and I, was, uh, I had tacos in my belly. It was that siesta time in the afternoon, you know? Uh, My office is really comfortable now, which is pretty sweet, right? So uh, I decided, man, my eyes are too heavy. I'm going to switch to the audio version of Proverbs on my Bible app. Never a good idea. I was just gone until uh, only five minutes later, I'm sure uh this thunderclap came out of nowhere i don't know if you guys remember this storm like midweek the one that just sort of showed up out of nowhere completely and i thought that my boat was about to capsize like i woke up and was just like what's happening and i didn't know where i was for five minutes like i was just like completely out of my element and that's the way that storms are sometimes they just like sneak up on you and i think <clears throat> that is why it is kind of the perfect metaphor for terrible and chaotic things that are happening in your life. Because here's the deal, we're like living on this planet and there's a lot that we can control and there's a lot that we can do, and yet storms are just rolling around the planet paying no mind to you and to me and just going where they will and sneaking up on us, surprising us, coming out of nowhere seemingly. And you have no way to control it. They don't care if it's the Rockies, day, Rockies game or uh, if you're on your bike or if it's your wedding day. They just show up. Life hits us like that very often. It becomes sort of a perfect metaphor for it, right? Losing a job, losing a friend, cancer, depression, whatever it is, these are the storms in our life. These are moments when it feels like life itself is against us. And it feels like the sky is dark and coming down upon us. And man, a storm at sea, particularly, you wouldn't even know what direction you were going anymore. I mean, especially back then, they didn't have the type of equipment that we have now. You couldn't see the stars to navigate. Everything was topsy-turvy. Everything was going nuts. And sometimes that's how we feel. You're minding your own business, not bothering anybody, and boom, a storm rolls in, it starts raining. Something you thought was minor builds into something major, or even something that you saw coming from a long way away finally hits you. It's weird and beautiful how a surprise storm is one of the most relatable images in all of human experiences. We've all experienced this kind of thing. So the question that I have for you right now, and I really want you to think, and I actually want you to write down on this sheet <clears throat> what is the storm in your own life right now? What is your own version of this kind of chaotic change that sneaks up on you? Maybe you saw it coming and it's just now landed in your lap. Uh, maybe it's hitting you. What is that storm right now? And I really want you to like think about this, okay? Uh, it doesn't have to be a big one. Don't be thinking about like, man, the worst thing that ever happened to you. But think there's probably something that is happening in your life right now that feels a little stormy, a little chaotic. And I want to invite you just to write that down on this sheet. Write down. Name that storm for just this moment. You're going to have to sort of keep this in your mind for the rest of our time today. And what we're going to do is not just experience that and this whole process for today, but hopefully build a little muscle memory to be able to wrap our minds around how to face storms in the future. So maybe you're looking at your storm right now and you're like, man, this really isn't a big deal. Like I have like a little bit of interpersonal conflict with my boss at work or something like that. I am hopeful and prayerful, I've been prayerful all week, that walking through this process today will actually help us to build some muscle memory so that we can be prepared for the next storm. Because at the end of the day, especially when you get a big one, especially when a big storm comes out of nowhere, man, we are almost never prepared for it. So take a second, write down what your storm is today. Uh, We're going to make a pact here in this room. Nobody's going to look over your shoulder, okay? You can write whatever it is. You're keeping this. This is not going to be a surprise twist where I'm going to take them and read them in front of everyone, okay? So whatever your particular storm is, write that down right now. Is it in a relationship? Is it in your own body? Is it seemingly all in your head? That's okay. Sometimes those are the biggest, honestly. Is it some sort of anxiety or stress that you're facing? What is it? The next movement is fear. Verse 26 says But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Now before we get way off the rails uh ghosts were not exactly something that the jewish people back in these days would have been encouraged to believe in so don't be reading this and be like ha ha i knew they were ghosts okay uh no the bible is not here affirming ghosts okay the disciples said and did a bunch of boneheaded things and i think that we could probably pretty safely put this in that category all right they were just shocked because a man was walking on the water And this is like an old and famous painting that we have here for this movement. I don't know if Jesus was glowing like this or not. I really, really hope he was. But it would explain a little bit of the ghost thing, right? Like, ah, snap, it's a ghost, right? Um, I don't know (laughs) why that was their reaction, other than the fact is that they were scared out of their wits, right? This guy that they had hung out with for a while now showed up where he wasn't supposed to be, and they kind of freaked out, right? I think it's not so much because of Jesus, and maybe not so much because he's glowing like in this painting but i think it's most more so because of the storm right storms can make things that are seemingly not scary into scary things right like I remember one time when I was working at a summer camp in college, and I had left uh, we had left a cooler out in the woods from like a camp out the night before, and uh, I was pretty low man on the totem pole, so I got voluntold to go out and get this cooler. Um, and so I start like jogging out there. You remember when you were young and alive? Uh, those of you who are in college, and you're just like, man, I think I'll go run out to pick up this cooler. I would never do that now. But anyway, I'm like jogging out there. This storm starts rolling in, and I start running a little bit faster, and I kid you not, I am like. Running i running down this trail towards this cooler, and there is a deer on the trail probably 10 feet in front of me. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, a deer on the Discovery Channel or in your backyard or something like that or safely from your car. Like, they seem like these beautiful and peaceful and majestic animals. If you ever just stumble across one in the middle of a rainstorm and he's 10 feet away from you, it's a little bit terrifying, Okay. He was, like, huge, and they're, like, extremely, like, muscular. You're, like, seeing all these muscles, and you're, like, he could jump in any direction. He's got these antlers and stuff like that. It was terrifying. And I realized afterwards, like, it didn't, it shouldn't have been. He meant me no harm. He was definitely more afraid of me than I was of him, right? And yet, seeing him in that weird place made it scary to me. I think that's a little bit of what the disciples were experiencing in this moment. Because in a storm, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of all kind of strangeness, a storm can make things that aren't scary become scary. A storm at work can make it scary to see your boss. A storm in a relationship can make it scary to talk to the people that you trust most. A storm in your head can make it scary to get out of bed sometimes. Have you ever been in that situation? Where like life feels so chaotic and dark and confusing that you can't even like it it just feels intimidating to even get out of bed. (coughs) Storms can make you realize what you're afraid of, what you're scared to lose, what you're scared of happening to you. We had something in our family uh, a little while ago where uh, Sarah had like a, a lump in one of her lymph nodes, and we began to think that it was like. It could possibly be cancerous. And man, I, I started coming up with fears I didn't even know I had, right? It's terrifying. And that's what storms can do to you. So for our next movement, I want you to write this down. Under fear, what exactly are you afraid of? Now, there's a temptation here to might maybe just write the storm again. But really ask yourself the question, what are you actually afraid of in this moment? right you're not afraid of losing your job you're afraid of all the embarrassment that comes with that or afraid of not being able to pay the bills or afraid of not having that kind of control over your life you're not afraid of you know necessarily like losing some sort of like relationship you're afraid of all of the emotional turmoil that that'll cause you all the pain all the heartbreak all the feeling of loneliness and so what exactly are you afraid of in the storm that you are thinking about today name these fears Bring them to light. What is it that keeps you up at night? What is it that you think of first thing when you wake up in the morning? What is it that you fear? The next movement is faith. I'm going to go ahead and say it. This is one of the toughest things for me to wrap my head around in all of Scripture. I know. It's a big statement. Are you ready for this? This is one of those that just, it's a head-scratcher for me. I, like, lay awake at night and think about it. I'm more of a John guy than a Peter guy anyway, so maybe I just don't, can't empathize with him, but let's break it down. Verse 28, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, I don't get that, because what if it was a ghost? Right? (laughs) That's a really dumb response if you think this is a ghost. And he's like, look, it's a ghost. Jesus, also, if it's you, tell me to walk out there, too, right? That doesn't make any sense. Also, why, when, like, Jesus was, like, doing the ascension thing, you know, he he dies, he comes back to life, and then he ascends into heaven. Why wasn't Peter in that situation, like, Jesus, if that's you, take me with you, right? Like, that's a weird thing. Like, why, even if it is Jesus, does he think, like, oh, he's walking on water. He probably wants me to come out there, too. We'll just give this a shot. This is weird. I can't wrap my mind around it. There's no accounting for it. Peter's like, let me go next. And somehow, as a result of that, Jesus looks at him in verse 29 and says, come. And in possibly one of the most understated sentences in all of Scripture, Matthew tells us, so Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. How crazy is that? How crazy. This is what faith truly looks like. Peter was like, Jesus, if you tell me to walk, I'll walk. It takes courage and it takes willingness. But I want you to recognize something kind of interesting here. This is not a leap of faith. Like people usually use that expression of like jumping out. It kind of conjures up these images of like jumping into the unknown, you know, just taking some sort of like crazy risk. That's not what's happening here, is it? No, it was an intentional choice to side with the creator of the universe rather than what he saw around him. A choice, not a leap of insanity, right? You're deciding... Do you want to make a decision based on all of your own data, the information that you have of what you've seen about how the world works, or do you want to trust Jesus in what he's inviting you to do? It's a choice between those two things. He's not jumping into the unknown. He's not trying to walk on water by himself. He's trying to say, hey, I know that every other time I have walked on water, I have fallen straight to the bottom, but Jesus, if you tell me to, I will step out on this and trust and have faith that you're actually going to sustain me. That's what faith is. Or as the author of Hebrews puts it, it's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So it's looking at a situation and not just saying, well, I know what always happens whenever I face a situation like this. I've faced storms like this before. I know exactly how it ends. I know how this is going to go. No, it's instead saying, Jesus, I'm going to believe in you more than I believe my own eyes and what I see and what is happening around me. C.S. Lewis has this thought on miracles that's kind of like long and complex, but the gist of it is this. For the God who set the rules of reality, it's not even breaking those rules to change them, right? He invented them. And sure, he decided to make water a liquid, but he could have made it a solid, and in this moment, he did. I know all of you third grade teachers are like, "In it's solid form, it's an ice. Anyway, I'm not talking about that right now, okay? Uh, Just calm your jets a little bit. (laughs) Now he, God, can do this exact same thing in the storms that you and I face. See that moment when we're too fixated on the reality of the situation as we see it? We're basing everything off of the data of everything that we've known before, right? And we're saying, hey, every time that this happens, this happens. And truth be told, that's not even like good scientific method, right? How much data do we really have? And how can we even really have good data when there is a God in control of the universe that loves us enough to send his son to die for us, and he's the same God that let this guy walk on water, In our storms today, it's important for you to figure out what would happen if you had this kind of faith. Peter stepping out of a boat onto liquid surface, that kind of faith. And really, this is an important part of, like, the thought process for today, is to ask the question, like, what would it even look like to get out of my storm? What am I even asking God to do? What do I want Jesus to do in this time? And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to write that down. What do you want Jesus to do? If God is asking something that would require some faith of you, what is it that he is asking you to do? Now, this is the hardest one to to define, I think. Right? It's difficult to wrap our minds around it for two reasons. One, we don't want to put words in God's mouth. Okay, so we're not doing that right now. We're not just like, oh, I think he wants me to kick this guy's behind, you know, like I'm going to take out my storm and fix it. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Okay, so don't put words in God's mouth right now. But really just ask yourself, like, what is it that I even want out of this situation? Because, man, sometimes like clarifying our, our hopes and our expectations before Jesus makes us realize like what we're even asking him for. And when we do that, sometimes it shows us the faith that we need to get through this situation. Right? So, like, maybe you're having, like, some sort of conflict with one of your friends. You're in, like, relational troubles or something like that. What are you hoping for? Are you hoping that you guys can go back to being the same friends that you were before this happened? Are you hoping that you never have to see that person again? Those seem kind of like small hopes. A hope that would require some faith would be hoping that God could turn you into a better relationship for having gone through a storm like this together. That you might go into this situation as friends and you might come out as brothers. That God could heal and forgive a wrong that seems so heinous it's impossible. What is that for you in your storm? Write it down. Something that would require faith that God could do. Maybe this is the end of the process for for some of you guys because you just need to spend some time in prayer asking God to reveal that to you. Say, God, I've been trying to solve this storm on my own. I've been trying to figure this out by myself. God, I want you to show me what it is that we could even have as a resolution to this. Admitting that you don't know and asking God to reveal that to you may be the step that you need to take today. Next is doubt. <clears throat> this happens in verse 30. But when he, Peter, saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. He got a little scared. He freaked out for a moment and almost drowned because of it. Here's why doing something that requires faith is hard. And if you've ever done something that requires a great amount of faith before, then you know that it might be easy at the beginning, but it's difficult to sustain for a long time, right? See, Peter was walking fine just for a few steps, right? He steps out. You know, it makes it sound like he's actually, like, upright on the water for a moment. And he starts walking. He looks over at the wind sees all the chaos around him sees all the reality around him and he started to doubt now notice two things here one he only doubted when he looked at the wind and not at jesus so jesus is saying like hey i'm presenting an alternate reality for you one in which you can walk on water and then peter starts looking over here at the wind and he's like actually no life is chaos and i'm about to sink right so like taking his eyes off of jesus he starts to sort of like lose the focus of that and second This was based in time. Now, I want you to think about this as a story, right? This is a story when Peter walked on water. This is not the story of when Peter doubted. That is a moment. That is a season. He was walking, and then he doubted, and then he was rescued. We don't tell this as the story of Peter's failure. Now, uh this uh, example is relevant because while you guys are watching me, I'm watching runners run by. I've l- noticed something today, by the way. Uh, the people who are worse at marathons wear longer shorts. There's like a direct correlation between short length and like your quality at marathon. Just keep an eye out, okay? That's, that's for free, okay? That wasn't even in the notes. That's just a little lanyard for you. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, I've never run a marathon. Uh, Mostly because I have very important things to do with my time, like eating chips and queso. But uh, I know people that have. You probably know people that have because they don't keep it a secret. They let you know. Uh, They're like, oh, yeah, my house is not too far. It's about 26 miles. By the way, (laughs) did you know? (laughs) No. Anyway, after they run the marathon, they don't say this was was like a, a fun use of my time. Uh, And it was good, and that's it. No, they tell you a story. Have you noticed that? Like, no one runs a marathon without having a story afterwards. And it's because it it goes on this, like, normal arc, right? It starts out like, oh, it was a dark and stormy day. There was smoke everywhere. Our lungs were (laughs) filled up. We thought we were going to cancel the race because there was smoke the day before or something like that, right? Uh, And then, somewhere in the middle, something happens, and they feel like giving up, right? Like, that's a necessary part He's like, man, at mile 19, I started getting this cramp, right? Or I thought my lungs were going to burst or whatever it is, right? Now, you may call that, as a normal person not running a marathon right now, you may call that like a dose of reality, right? A marathon is a crazy thing to do. But they would probably call it a moment of doubt. And when they run to the marathon, or run the marathon, they don't get to the end And cross the finish line and say, no thanks, I don't want that t-shirt, no thanks, I don't want to be able to slap that sticker on my bumper or anything like that, right? Uh, They don't say, no, I don't deserve that. I was, like, filled with doubt. I was pretty doubtful at mile 19. Yeah, I finished, but I don't really deserve all this marathon accolades and whatnot. No, they celebrate it. In fact, that moment of doubt was something that they overcame. It was a part of running that marathon. It was a season. It was a moment. It was not a failure. Peter here, when he thinks about this story, he's not going to think about that moment when he doubts, or maybe he sort of reflects back on it, but this was the moment when he walked on water and when Jesus rescued him. This was not the moment that highlights his failure and his defeat. What if we started treating doubt like that? Not as a moment of failure, but as just a season, as something necessary to walk through. Because when you're doing something hard for God when it, that requires a lot of faith, there is going to be a moment when you doubt. Peter here would soon be designated as the father of the church. Jesus clearly loved and trusted and used him after this. And Peter would go on himself to write this. Can you imagine being Peter and having written these words? He's got to be thinking about this moment. So let's do something at Dwell Church. Let's normalize doubt. Let's make it a regular thing. Let's not make it scary. Let's not make it embarrassing. It's not a failure. Let's talk about it in our Dwell groups. We are not broken people. We are not evil for having doubt. We are people who are in need of a Savior just like Peter. So then, when you're doing something for God that requires faith and doubt shows up as you know it is going to, much like a storm, it starts to let you sink. Recognize it as something normal. Some of you might be realizing right now in this moment that the thing that you thought was a storm is actually just a season of doubt. Some of you might be wrestling with doubt right now doubt about your job, doubt about whether or not you should live in Denver. You might even be doubting whether or not you should go to Dwell Church. That's okay. Maybe you're a big-time marathon guy, and you're like, I can't be with this guy anymore. I don't know what it is, right? It's okay, though. Seriously. God might be calling you to where you need to be, and that happens. But sometimes, other times, it's just doubt. And here's what you have to do when you're in a season of doubt. If you find yourself, like, identifying, hey, man, I am doubting right now, here's what you have to do. You have to ask, is God calling me to do something else or change something about my life? Or am I just doubting the way that he is calling me to live now? A great way to go about that is that if, A, he is calling you to something else, he's not going to keep that a secret from you. He's not going to make you guess it. So if he's not calling you to something else, then maybe where you're at is where he has you to be. This is a real gray area. There's no formula for any of this. There's no way that I can just be like, oh, uh, if you just pray this prayer, God will reveal it to you in a burning bush. It doesn't work like that. But, man, we need to at least put in the effort and give it a shot to say, when are we doubting what God has called us to do and questioning that? When is he actually calling this to something else? So here's what you write for this section. What causes you to doubt? What makes you think that you won't make it through this storm? What is the biggest thing uh, that is causing you to question whether or not God is going to take you through this? What is it that makes you think that Jesus can't or won't take you through this storm and preserve you? The story ends with our final movement, which is simply Jesus. It ends in the most beautiful way. Verse 31, it says, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. We don't know this from the text but i want to believe that jesus looks down at peter and says this line with a kind and knowing smile oh you of little faith why did you doubt you ever see a kid uh, that is scared like a kid that you're supposed to be taking care of a kid that is scared and you want to look at them and be like hey did you did you really think that i would let you fall Like Sometimes I just want to look at Evie and be like, hey, we've been together six, almost seven years now. Why, when I threw you up in the air, did you think I was going to drop you? Why did you think I was going to let you go hungry? Why did you think I would leave you? Why do you think, what about our entire relationship that we've had so far tells you that I would let something that terrible happen to you? This is how Jesus feels with Peter. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Jesus is saying, I told you to come out here. Would I really let you down or drown? This is a constant theme with God, actually. It seems all throughout history that people who have followed after God get to a point where they're like, oh, no, I'm going to drown. And God's like, hey, I've been here the whole time. What are you talking about? I actually call this the meat pots rule. I use that as a simple like reminder because I have to remember it all the time, right? Uh, There's this story where the Israelites are released from slavery in Egypt, and then God parts the Red Sea, and they walk through it on dry land, and their enemies are swept away, and then they're marching along, they're following a giant pillar of fire, and he's rescued them, and he's taking care of them, and then one day they get hungry, and maybe they start to get a little hangry, and they say, man, you guys remember when we had it so good in egypt at least we had meat pots okay so there's the meat pots rule right at least i don't know what a meat pot is by the way but at least we had meat pots right and they start saying like god why did you take us out into the desert to die now think about that this god just sent plagues that they all saw this god let every single one of them walk through on dry land through the waters and then they have the audacity To just look up at him and be like, God, why did you bring us out here to starve to death? I wish we could go back to Egypt. That's absurd. And yet, it is the most human of emotions. There has been many times, and this is why it's the meat pot rule for me. Uh, Because there's been many times when we have come out here and planted Dwell Church where like the slightest little tremor will happen, the slightest little storm will pop up, and all of a sudden I'm like, God, why did you bring us here to die? Surely you're not going to provide for us. Surely you're not going to take care of us. This was just a long con where you could just bring Sarah and our family out here to embarrass us and leave us in relational and financial and personal ruin, right? That's not how God works. That's not how God works. And I think he looks down at us with love in his eyes and says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? <clears throat> Jesus looks down at you and says that exact same thing. Why would you doubt? My child, why did you think I would not take good care of you? And Jesus took Peter's hand, pulled him up. Jesus here reminds him of who he is the one who walked on water, the one who is master of the winds and the waves. The same one that called Peter to be his follower. The same one that equipped Peter to do miracles himself. The very one who called him out of the boat in the first place. Just a few minutes before. He, Jesus, is the one who would take him up by the hand and in spite of Peter's doubt would pull him up. I believe that the God that we see in Scripture is consistent throughout all of history. I believe that that same God that was present with Peter in the midst of the storm and letting him walk to him on the water, that reached out his hand and pulled him up is the same God, the same God who is with you today. I believe he wants to do the same for you in this storm. It may not look how you're thinking it will. may not be exactly as you would have planned it or on your timeline, but I believe he's the same God and he is still trustworthy. Thanks for listening. We hope it brought you closer to Jesus and more in touch with the world around you. Being a Christian in today's culture can be hard. Fortunately, he gives us the gift of community through his church. So we would love to invite you to join us for one of our Sunday morning gatherings or for one of our weekly small groups. All the details you need can be found on our website, dwelldenver.org.